0: Welcome back to another episode of Useless Degrees. I'm your host, Anthony Rastigu, and now that we're friends, you may call me Tony. Today, my guest is Keith Boker. Keith started off as a petroleum engineering major at Texas A&M and then transferred to Western Michigan University to study economics. He then spent a year at Michigan State Law School and then transferred yet again to Northwestern Law School, where he currently resides. After completing law school this semester, Keith will go on to work for a global law firm White & Case in its Chicago office. We're going to talk all about transferring schools, figuring out which area of study best suits you, and how to effectively navigate law school. Now let's get started. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today, Keith. How are you doing today?
1: Doing well, man. Thanks a lot for having me on. I'm excited. I guess my intro kind of walked you through the journey, but
0: Really, really excited to kind of follow through this process again. Great to hear it. So let's get right into it. And we'll start with your time during undergrad in particular. So you went from attending an SEC school and ultimately transferred to a school on the other side of the country, back in your home state, Michigan. So what urged you to make such a big change in your life like that?
1: so going into college i always kind of had this idea of what i wanted to do well so i thought Um, I, i came from a family of engineers so i always kind of had the feeling that i wanted to follow suit petroleum engineering to be honest i kind of just looked up online what degree can i make the most money with and at the time that was petroleum engineering and for regular people i guess petroleum engineering is just oil so I I knew I had to work in the oil industry and do something within it. So Texas A&M was the number one school for it. Um, That made a a lot of sense for me. Going to the SEC was something I always look forward to because growing up in Michigan, I loved the idea of being in the South, having nice weather. I had a lot of family in the state of Texas, so that kind of drew me to it. And just engineering, I I kind of knew that was where I wanted to be. So Texas A&M made a lot of sense coming out of high school. Moving across the country wasn't as terrible because I felt comfortable. I vacationed in Texas all the time. I had a lot of family there. I was pretty thorough in my college decision, pretty vocal about it. So you could say I was more vocal than others, and I was really excited to make this move. So yeah, that's kind of how I started off there. Um, I guess the transfer process was funny. Uh, when, when I was walking through about how I'd started off petroleum engineering, I, I noted that I, I felt like my family was a large part of that. Not in the fact that they were pressuring me to do it, just in the fact that that was what I knew. And I thought I would be comfortable kind of following suit. But once I got started, I realized that I hated engineering. I hated math. I I thought I was good at it in high school and I was, but I couldn't see myself doing it for the rest of my life. Um, Working in oil was just not, I didn't want to be in an oil field forever. So I quickly realized, I'm talking quickly as in like my first month, that this was not where I wanted to be. And to put this into perspective, I moved completely across the country, I, I, I was going to end up owing a lot of money in student loans. So finances were a gigantic part of this decision. And I guess my, my validation for moving so far to go to this prestigious program was, when I graduate, I'll be able to pay it back. So I, I was kind of stuck at this crossroad. And I was thinking, I took this huge financial investment. I'm very quickly realizing this isn't what I want to do. Do I stay at Texas A&M and do a different program or do I drastically change so quickly into college? And this was tough because I I felt like I really wanted to follow through with the decision. But I've always been very quick to pivot. And I guess talking with people, I didn't know anybody who's ever transferred college before. To be honest, um, one of my biggest role models, my older brother, dropped out of college. So I was... Very, very new and trying to maneuver this field. And I guess I really made the decision that I wanted to transfer when I ran the numbers and thought, if I were to transfer programs at this school, I'm still paying the same amount of money. I'm still paying out-of-state tuition to go. Would it make sense to get a degree that I could get basically anywhere else? And the answer was no. So finances drove that. And when I decided to transfer across the country to Michigan, I was pretty familiar with the area, but that wasn't the huge thing with it. To be honest, I could have thrown a dart at a dartboard and decided that I wanted to go to Western Michigan University because let's be honest, Western Michigan isn't this amazing Harvard-esque school, but I, I, I felt comfortable there and I felt like I could at least open up some opportunity.
0: And you mentioned that you come from a family full of engineers. You ended up going down the economics route and now in law school. Were there any other family members that you have that happen to be in law, or are you one of the first to pretty much get that going? Absolutely none. Complete pioneer when it comes to that respect. So when you mention
1: economics, again, I kind of got online and I looked up what or who who does the best on their LSAT in order to get into law school. And the LSAT is your law school admittance test, basically like the ACT to get into law school. And it was economics majors. To be honest, it was economics majors, like eight different versions of engineering, and then you get your pre-law and poli-sci. So very analytical thinking. And econ was a good bridge from engineers because it still takes a lot of that analytical framework, little bit of math, statistics and all that stuff. But the the process of thinking is very similar to going through engineering, but minus all the physics and chemistry. And believe it or not, in most econ programs, you'll see a sizable number of students who were ex-engineers that just didn't want to do it. So I knew I wanted to do some kind of business Because by that point, I I had a good idea that I wanted to go to law school. And that just seemed logical to, uh, to start off with econ in order to kind of bridge that gap between
0: engineering, completely restarting a way of thinking and getting to law school. And that's fascinating that you mentioned that there were a lot of former engineers that ended up going down this route as well. Why do you think that is? I know you mentioned not loving the idea of math and applying it to all sorts of concepts, but what do you think it really was that drew you to economics altogether? So I I
1: guess I've always been pretty
0: interested in markets.
1: Like I I don't, I'm not necessarily a finance bro on the fact that I don't invest, but but I've always been interested in tendencies. And econ's a lot of just analyzing tendencies. And I'd say the programs that people use, in econ you work with a lot of statistical programs are pretty similar to what you see in engineering so there's a level of comfort that comes from engineers because they don't want to go into these for instance an engineer doesn't want to go and switch up to an english degree most of the time just because it's completely different from what they're doing um and i guess whenever i say i hated math it was i hated calculus but i loved in numbers and you'll see that a lot of people in econ ex-engineers are very good with numbers. I would like to say myself, I'm very good with numbers, but I hate having to do calc and that kind of stuff. I just couldn't see myself doing that for the rest of my career. So I, I think that's pretty common among my econ majors.
0: And you mentioned that there was a decent overlap too with a lot of the concepts too when it comes to math. You mentioned statistics is a pretty big part yeah. of economics and that all that knowledge that you have from engineering actually helps quite a bit with that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'd say, uh, yeah, I'd say a lot of it's just logical thinking. In engineering, you know what the answer is going to be. And
0: a lot of times in econ, you don't necessarily know what the answer is going to be, but there is some kind of framework for solving the problem. Love to hear it. And so transferring is often either in insanely stressful or exciting opportunity. So when you made that switch to go all the way back to Michigan, how did you go about making Michigan a place, an entirely new home for yourself? When you got onto Western's campus, totally new school, whole new perspective, new social atmosphere. How did you go about making sure that it was home for you all over again?
1: Yeah, so I don't think I can describe how different the two universities were. Um, Texas A&M is like 50, 60,000 students, Southern school. Western Michigan is one of the snowiest campuses, like 20,000 students, is completely different mindset. So I'd be lying if I say I wasn't totally stressed out when I made this decision because one, I, I kind of had this, this feeling that I was quitting, even though I knew I wasn't, but I, I, I felt like I kind of gave up on this whole Texas A&M thing. So when I was at Western, I'd say I felt super determined to kind of prove myself wrong and and prove that I could succeed at another place. So a big part of me transferring was kind of laying out my goals and what I wanted to do. And school, the the actual academics of it never really, I'd say challenged me because at Texas a and I, I was doing fine grade wise. I just had a good idea that this wasn't one of what I wanted to do. So I laid out pretty, pretty strict rules on myself. Whenever I transferred to Western, I, I said, I want to get a specific GPA for me. I wanted a 4.0 GPA because i would never really gotten that before, but I always felt like it was a lack of worth, work on my part. And I, I wanted to make as many friends. As possible, and build my network because a lot of college is simply building your network. And at Texas A&M, I feel like I didn't do a fantastic job of that. I was going to rely more on say the school name than I would really what I'm doing, and I don't think that's a way that you need to approach college. So Tony, we kind of knew each other a little bit at Western, but I was always I became this person who was pretty outgoing. I'd say um, I'd love to get out and whether it be joining a new student group or being a leader of that student group or simply going to the bar and just talking to people. I always wanted to get out and kind of get my name out there, but more importantly get to know other people and their stories and see where I could end up. And not only do you have a lot of fun doing that in college, but you you get a lot of cool stories and great people to know out of that. I'd say most jobs that I've had are just through people that I've met doing that. And so growing my network and trying literally as hard as I could in school were top priorities at Western. And another thing I wanted to point out was when I transferred to Western, I actually want I, I knew that I wanted to go to law school. And in order to do so, I knew law school was also a big financial investment. So my biggest goal was trying to get done with undergrad as quick as possible. And thanks to some classes that I took in high school, believe it or not, I, I took some dual enrollment college credits, I I was able to transfer those to Western, which I couldn't have done at Texas A&M. So I actually had a leg up whenever I transferred. And with that, I had a little bit of college credits. I knew that if I was really driven, I could leverage that and get done with college in three years, which I ultimately ended up doing, which
0: was a, I'd say very, very helpful for me deciding that I wanted to go to grad school. And finishing college early is so interesting to me because I totally understand why people want to end up doing that and getting it done sooner. And yeah. I do hear an argument on the other side when people mention, oh, just go ahead and you know do the whole four years, get that whole experience. I mean, this is t- Time you're never going to get back. So, mm-hmm. what would you say is your rationale behind finishing college early? So, to be honest, I actually think I'm more on the ladder. I think if I were not to go on to grad
1: school, I could not emphasize enough stay, co- stay in college for four years and enjoy yourself. But I knew that I was going to be in school for a long time. Law school is three years, no matter which way you cut it. You can't get done any earlier. So, I just wanted to get there as quick as possible because I didn't want to be in school forever. And I knew that it was going to cost a lot. But if I were to not have wanted to do that, I I would have highly recommend, and I still recommend to my friends, stay in school. If you got to do that victory lap, knock yourself out. Don't let your grades suffer because of it, but enjoy yourself, build your network. And I, I feel like you can't do that if you're rushing through this entire process. Me, I got kind of lucky because I know that when I go to law school, it's based off of objective criteria. I needed to get good grades and I needed to do well on a test basically in order to get into a school. With life, you don't have that. Yeah, good grades are awesome, but you don't take a test to get a job or anything like that straight out of college. So I would definitely recommend honing your skills however long that
0: may be and just don't rush the process. And you also mentioned the importance of networking, which I agree too is one of the most important things you could possibly do when you're in college. So talk to me about the contrast between Texas A&M and Western Because as you mentioned, Texas A&M being a 50,000 plus student population there compared to a much smaller, probably half the the size of Texas A&M. Were you able to acquire a lot more intimate relationships with people at Western compared to Texas A&M where you were probably just a number just because there were so many people there? 100%
1: you hit the nail on the head. I feel like at Western with a smaller population, I've always kind of thrived on being say a big fish in a small pond. And I never really knew that until I got to Western. I had the feeling. But I, I felt more comfortable at Western, just me personally, because I I really felt like I could harness those relationships more. I felt like I had a larger impact. And that's not to knock Texas a and at all. I mean, they offer so many opportunities in these different student orgs and everything. And you can create your own community within this large 50,000, 60,000 person network. But at Western, I felt like I could actually see the difference that I was making. I could recognize people, say, when I go out to eat, when I'm walking on campus. And I just, I felt like i enjoyed enjoyed the smaller community more because I felt more of a part of it. And that's nothing to knock Texas A&M. And I think something that's completely different is the alumni network at Texas A&M was huge as compared to Western. But that just made me want to work even harder at Western to, I guess,
0: say the good alumni that are going to want to give back and actually speak to you. Right. And you definitely got all sorts of opportunities for involvement when you're at Western too. You were the president of your fraternity. You made sure that you were well known on campus, which is a fantastic way to go about effectively transferring schools like that. And so let's transition into law school now. You started off at Michigan State and I'd like to hear your perspective on applying to law school to begin with and how you went about finding the place that was right for you.
1: So applying to law school was one of the most stressful times of my entire life. I knew no lawyers. I went into this saying, I'm just going to do law school and we're going to see how it ends up. But what a lot of people overlook is that unlike undergrad, Law schools give out a lot of scholarships. I mean, it is very common. So my main goal was I want to limit costs. And if I can do that, I'd feel very comfortable spending the next three years of my life not making any income. So I I worked my ass off studying for the LSAT. Like I wouldn't talk to anybody for like a month. And I, I think that was a little excessive, but I was very locked into just putting up the best kind of application that I could. And I knew once I did that, I'd get a good chance at getting a scholarship. And basically at that point, my goal was to go to the best school that I could for the least amount of money. And after this whole process of sending applications, I think I applied to probably 10 law schools. I knew pretty quickly which one I wanted to go to, and that was Michigan State because of the amount of scholarships that I got. Had I gotten into a better school than Michigan State for the same amount of scholarship offer, I would have gone. But I was on a. I ended up receiving a full ride from Michigan State, so it's pretty hard to turn down free college. And I knew that I wanted to go to Michigan State based off of, I, I guess, a, a big part of deciding where you want to go to law school is knowing where you want to work afterwards. And Michigan State was located in the Midwest. And my goal was to work in Chicago. So working Working in Chicago means that people in Chicago firms are going to look more locally because that's where their networks are. They're either going to look at the local scores or they're going to look at the best schools in the U.S. to where they feel comfortable taking in, taking in basically anybody. But going to kind of a regional, decent school, because Michigan State's a pretty solid school, I felt like I had a good chance of getting the job that I wanted. And I wanted to give them the best objective criteria possible, which were getting my 4.0 GPA at Western and scoring the best I could on the LSAT, which luckily worked out for me.
0: And that's a very interesting angle when you mention that it's best to go to a law school within the location in which you would like to get a job afterward. I actually didn't really think about that too much. Do you think that that is probably the best way that people that are applying to law schools, that is one of the biggest things that they should take into consideration? Or do you think they should prioritize how much money they can get from a, a law school, kind of like your situation with Michigan State?
1: So it's really funny. Actually, I was in an internship while I was applying for law schools and something that I created well, tried to create for my internship was this like algorithm basically in Excel that basically told you where you, where you had to go to law school based off of money, location, all this crap totally didn't work, but it really got me thinking about where I wanted to go and why I wanted to go there. So I'd say definitely location matters. Definitely. Because if you think about it, when you graduate law school, you have to take the state's bar exam that you are working in. So if you go to school in Michigan and you want to work at a Michigan firm, they're going to feel way more comfortable that you're going to work there because they think you're going to take the Michigan bar exam. And that's kind of more what you study and focus on whenever you go to a school in Michigan. If I wanted to work in California, it'd probably make sense for me to go to school somewhere near California so firms can see the commitment that I have to the state. But another thing is when when you really are kind of hammering out where you want to go and why you want to go there, prestige of the school does matter to some extent. So you just need, to, there, there's so much thoughts that come into this. I'd say more so in undergrad because whenever you go to law school, you need to have a, somewhat of a goal in mind in terms of where you want to be and what you want to do. And if you wanna go more, let's say public interest and you aren't really in it for the money, then you might wanna you might wanna to go to a school that going to where you're gonna take out a billion dollars in student loan debt. And if you wanna try and do this whole corporate high flying stuff, sometimes you need to think about maybe going to the better school and landing that higher paying job in a market to where you probably wouldn't be able to reach if you went to some smaller regional school.
0: Oh yeah. And credibility is huge too. I mean, obviously someone hears that you went to Harvard Law, obviously they make that instant connection that you busted yeah. your ass in a very difficult school. And yeah. the same can be said for a plethora of all other schools. So what actually, what draws you to Chicago in particular, since you were so focused on that city?
1: So I actually want to interrupt. So you just said that the school is difficult. You said Harvard's difficult. Don't get me wrong. It's difficult but what i found in transferring both undergrad and in law school is that yes the the schooling is hard but it's pretty much the same no matter where you go. The only big difference is the people and the professors slash the alumni that come out of that school. When i when i was in school at say Texas A&M studying engineering, that's going to be the same thing had i studied engineering at Western. The the stuff you learn is the exact same. So i thought that was super interesting. But to get on to your next uh To your point about going to Chicago, law is an odd field in terms of the big jobs, which I wanted to work for a large corporate international law firm. Those really only have offices in large cities. And when you're really narrowing down when you want to work at one of these firms, you're stuck at looking at New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, and sometimes Washington, D.C. or San Francisco area, it's kind of sprinkled in. And I knew I didn't want to work in New York because I'm a Midwest kid and that just seemed like too much for me. I loved Los Angeles. But I couldn't do the traffic, and I grew up like three hours away from Chicago, so I had a good idea that was where I want to be, and I feel comfortable there. So that was that
0: was a big part of choosing Michigan State was thinking that I could get a job in Chicago. I'll make a comment about the Harvard Law School thing too. It it definitely yeah. seems like it's the application process and getting in is essentially half the battle, if anything. And you're right, the alumni are what make it more distinguishable than any other school. It seems
1: it's super funny. I, I, I could do a complete other podcast on how kind of I view. College college as a whole, because now uh, to kind of fast forward now at Northwestern, I feel like as soon as I got Northwestern, my career was basically set. And it, it's it's unreal because now all my coworkers are from Harvard and I don't feel like I got any smarter transferring whatsoever. It was just such an odd feeling to, to be a part of this network.
0: So you definitely think that you made the right choice when you transferred out of Michigan State and to Northwestern?
1: So to get in the process of transferring, the whole process of transferring from Michigan State, I want to point out, I absolutely love Michigan State. I still do. I made friends there in my first year that are going to last a lifetime. And law school, it's a very unique transfer process. And for me, it's funny, Because I feel like my law school transfer experience was the exact inverse of my undergrad transferring experience. In undergrad, I went in and I was at the top school, and then I went to a okay, pretty pretty average school. In law school, I started off at the pretty okay average school, and then I ended up transferring to the top tier of law schools. And in my first year at Michigan State, I'd say I was not nearly as stressed as most of the population there. I mean, to be honest, I was on a full scholarship, so I. like I was kind of just going to ride out this journey and see where I ended up. I didn't have that much student loan debt, thanks to transferring to Western Michigan. Um, So I felt comfortable. And I feel like I was kind of playing with house money at that point. I just wanted to do the best I possibly could and see where I end up. And by doing that, I, I did well on all my tests and everything. A little insight into law school is that all of your grades, except for one or two classes, are based off of one exam at the end of the semester. So if you can game law school correctly, which Luckily I did, and a lot of people kind of figure this out as they go, you can skate for the first two or three months of law school and you just study and grind for about a month at the end of the semester and you'll be just fine. So I I did that. And by the time finals came around at the end of my first year of law school, my professor in one of my writing classes actually called me in to her, to her office hours. And I, it kind of caught me off guard, but I just thought she wanted to catch up with me. and. I, I walked into her office hours and she was very blunt with me. She went to she went to a very good law school. She went to the University of Michigan, which is kind of in this like upper tier that I'll get into. And she told me, Keith, I know where you wanna work. I know what you wanna do. Unfortunately, I don't think that you can do that with where you're currently at. And that just caught me out of nowhere. So I was like, what do you even mean? Like I was at Michigan State. I made some of my best friends. I still talk to them all the time. I was very comfortable with where I was at. And I mean, I was in Michigan. I loved being able to go to the bar whenever I wanted to. I wasn't paying for school. I was just in this ideal scenario. And then she dropped that bomb on me. And I was like, what do you mean? And she basically walked me through this process of saying, look, you're one of the top students at a pretty good law school, but the kind of firm you want to work at isn't going to talk to you. And I understood what she meant because I was applying to dozens. I, I actually probably applied to over 200 different legal jobs my first year of law school. And a lot of them just wouldn't even respond. Like they wouldn't deny me. They just wouldn't even respond. And I was shocked because I was towards the top of my class. I felt like I had the perfect resume for it and they just wouldn't respond. So she, she suggested that I kind of look into this next tier of law schools. So in, in law, they call it the T14, which is the top 14 law schools in the US. And it's like a huge deal to be a part of these, to be a part of these law schools. It's the schools like Harvard, Northwestern, University of Michigan, Columbia, all those. So go, going into it, I, I never, I mean, heck, I went to Western. I didn't want to be this pretentious kid thinking he was going to go to some Ivy League school. So whenever I was really looking at my grades, I realized that it was possible to transfer into one of these schools, but I really need to think about if I wanted to do it. Like, was I fully committed to working in Chicago? At the time, I ended up securing a job through somebody, it was like somebody's long family friend that owned a law firm in Chicago that wasn't going to pay me a ton, but it got me introduced to the city. So one, did I really want to be committed to Chicago? And did I really want to give up this comfortable gig that I was in, in order to try to go to a T14? And I'd say, I, so again, I was at this crossroads. I really had to run the numbers on this one, was because when you transfer, you lose every scholarship that you have, everything. You start from point zero. But I finally saw what she meant whenever I looked at the employers that were going to these Northwestern recruiting events. To put this into perspective, at Michigan State, which is a good law school, one of the best in Michigan, you have for your on-campus interviewing process, the on-campus interviewing process starts right after your first year of law school. And it's that summer leading into your second year. So the way it works is that these law firms come to your school, they interview you right before your 2L year, and you expect to have that job that next summer after your second year. So it's kind of like a pipeline to where you intern at this firm after your second year, and they give you a full-time offer, and you're there after your third year. It's a system that's been going on for decades. And at Michigan State, they had, say, 30 law firms there, all of them respectable firms, but none of them were these global powerhouses that I was attracted to. To put this into perspective, Northwestern had 400, maybe 500 international law firms that were all paying nearly double what the schools at Michigan State were. So that just, that shocked me. It didn't feel real, but that was just when I realized how how different going to one of these T14 schools is than going to a different one. But that also helped me realize that I had a lot of decisions to make and I had a lot of money on the line if I wanted to go transfer. I essentially had to bet on myself to see if I wanted to go to Northwestern. And I ended up doing it. And it was one of the most stressful decisions I've ever made in my entire life. Luckily,
0: whenever I ended up transferring, it worked out for me. And I couldn't be happier with where I'm at today. And that's amazing that it ended up working out and you made such a great decision because I can imagine how intense that must have been at first. Like very intimidating, going from a pretty well-established law school, but taking it a step further and going to an even better one. So that is amazing that it's been working out for you. And so law students seem to go into law school with a plan and an area of law that they intend to explore. You mentioned that you wanted to work for a global, well-established law firm. So what made you decide on that specific type as opposed to all sorts of other areas of law that people can get into? Corporate, criminal, mergers and acquisitions, all sorts of stuff like that.
1: Yeah, so I I kind of had this idea and a lot of people are this way. They say they want to get into mergers and acquisitions, but they don't really know what it means. In having my econ degree, I knew that was kind of where I was going to levitate. But lawyers will tell you all the time, you don't know what the hell you're getting into when you get into law school. So many people say they started off wanting to do one thing and completely pivoted their careers. So I went in knowing that I wanted to be more transactional because there's really two routes. You either go the litigation route or the transactional route. And from there, you just totally branch off. But 1L year is 1L is first year of law school is very interesting. in the fact that everybody at every law school across the US is taking the same exact classes and it's structured. So that you kind of get this wide array of classes to get you thinking about where you want to be. And even though it's only a year, it it gives you a good idea of the kind of things that you're going to be doing later on. For instance, I'm, I'm transactionally focused. And the first year of law school is heavily litigation based. It's all about going to court, all about court cases. But luckily, I realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do. I never was the argumentative type. I didn't want to go to court. So kind of by process of elimination, I validated the fact that I went to law school to be transactionally focused. But man, that could have completely changed. I'm not going to lie. I, I've had fun writing appellate briefs. I like working on pro bono cases for, say, I did one for an immigration client. It's fun, but I I kind of knew where I wanted to be and that's unique, but it, it's very interesting. I've seen a lot of friends that completely pivoted their careers say they wanted to start off in litigation and now they're working at a big law transactional private equity firm and vice versa it's it's crazy to see where people end up and it's super common it's not
0: looked down upon at all in the profession if anything it's encouraged oh i bet it's common too because you look at growing up watching movies where lawyers play a major part <laughs> in it and it's essentially the same thing it's a lot of court yeah. cases and a lot of you know criminal related law and I'm glad that it does take your first year of law school to really kind of find yourself and really get a, a feel for where you want to end up. That's great that they can encompass so much in so many different areas of law altogether, just so you can end up finding where you fit best within those next two years and then get the job that you really wanted.
1: Yeah, I'd actually take it a step further and say that even after a one year, I don't, I don't think you know where you want to be, but you know where you don't want to be, which is sometimes more helpful. And growing up, you watch all these really, really interesting shows like SVU or some random law show. And you think that going to being a lawyer is going to court all the time, but you'd be shocked how little lawyers go to court. Um, You really have to specialize in it in order to do it. And for instance, what I do, I'm going to call myself a lawyer because I am, but I don't think I will ever have to read a case or ever have to go to court in my entire life. I'll just be Working in boardrooms and basically doing glorified investment banking. Super funny.
0: Which sounds exactly like what you want to get into. So that's great that it works out for you. Mm -hmm. And so, what is some advice that you would love to give people that have yet to decide what area of law they want to get into? What should they evaluate within themselves before choosing their path?
1: I'd say if you have the opportunity to do anything related to law, that even if you don't think you'll be interested in it, do it there is so many different ways you can go with this degree i mean when you when you hear about say ceos or politicians or anybody it seems like a lot of people have a law degree and there that just kind of shows how different you can you can take this path so we should treat that the same with being a lawyer i mean you could easily want to work in immigration you could want to work with some kind of civil torts litigation And the only way you'll be able to know is if you try it. I mean, it took me a while to kind of find my niche and that I wanted to do, say, private equity. But usually, especially in law school, I, I would suggest taking a wide array of classes just so you can get a feel for what you like. And you don't even necessarily need to be good at it in law school. You just need to understand, could I see myself doing this years down the road, day in and day out? So, Talking to people throughout your network and kind of understanding what lawyers do in a specific practice area is very important. I mean, I talked to anybody I could find, which was tough because I didn't know any lawyers growing up. So I'd talk to professors and just anybody I could meet through on LinkedIn and just kind of see what their day to day was like and understanding whether it was something I could see myself doing. Not whether I wanted to do it, but whether I could see myself doing it or not.
0: And you make a very, very great point where it's almost kind of better to learn what you don't want to get into so that you know totally. eventually what you want to get into. I mean, that's probably some of the best advice that I've gotten from a variety of guests that I've had on this show. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. phenomenal because it's like learning from mistakes. You can you can fuck up, and, but I mean, the beauty of that is learning from that.
1: I actually think that that is so essential to being a lawyer in general, because Yes, you learn what you want to do by knowing what you don't want to do. But a big part of being a lawyer is just seeing where there's a problem. And most of the time, you're not going to know how to solve it. But as long as you know that you don't know how to solve it, you can find somebody who can. And that is such an essential part of being an attorney is just knowing where the issues are and finding the right person to solve it. Look, I'm a smart guy, but I am very good at knowing when I don't know something, which is often. And finding the right person is such such a key skill that you'll need as you navigate this legal profession. 100%.
0: And so to close out the episode, what is some advice that you have for people that are considering transferring the way you did, whether that could be undergrad or law school, or in your case, even both? So what should be determined prior to making a decision that involves transferring colleges? Be comfortable that's the biggest thing.
1: You, you aren't going to succeed if you aren't comfortable with where you're at. And that, that took a long time for me to kind of figure out, but I'd say I I never saw myself transferring. I didn't go into law school thinking about it. I didn't go into undergrad thinking about it. You kind of think that whenever you make this decision to go to college or go to law school, that's where you're going to be, but be very flexible. I mean, law school is funny because There's a lot of people who go to law school planning on transferring to, say, a better school for the same reasons that I kind of laid out earlier. But I don't think that's a great way to approach it unless you really, really, really are confident that you can get in because you'll just let yourself down. So if you are thinking about transferring, be honest with yourself. I mean, both times that I made the decision to transfer, I specifically remember both days, I turned my phone off, had a couple beers and just went out and thought all day, thinking, is this really what I want to do? So being honest with yourself, being flexible and just being able to pivot. Think think about who
0: you are as a person. All right. And a final bonus question to close out the episode. What do you personally think is the most useless college degree? (sighs) I feel bad because I feel like I know people in all kinds of realms.
1: I listened to one of your podcasts and I thought dance was a pretty funny one. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and say that one. I feel like I'd be doing it a disservice if I didn't say pre-law because I know so many kids in law school that studied pre-law and either
0: hated it or they're just going to be awful attorneys.
1: So, yeah, I I guess we'll switch it up. If you ask that
0: question again, I'll answer a pre-law. All right. Well, thanks again so much for being on the show today, Keith. Great talking to you and best of luck to you in the future. Yeah, thanks a lot, Tony. I appreciate it. My guest today was Keith Boker. And if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and subscribe and share with your friends and family. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at useless.degrees. Follow us on Twitter at UselessDegrees underscore, and go like our Facebook page, Useless Degrees Podcast. Thanks again so much for listening, and I look forward to entertaining you all on the next episode.